Now, for those of you who've been around for a little while, you know that we just finished a rather lengthy sermon series in the book of Luke. So I just figured we'd start over. Uh, I, I, think some, I, I think some of you missed a few of these. Uh, so, no, I'm just kidding. We're going to look at one of the most famous Christmas stories in the whole Bible today. Luke chapter 2, we'll be reading verses 1 through 21. This is God's word. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child." And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And in the same region, there were with the shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over the flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were filled with fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen as it had been told them. And at the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. This is God's word. Let's go to him now in prayer. Oh, Lord, our God, we thank you for this remarkable Christmas story. I pray, Lord, as we go over these very familiar verses in this very familiar chapter, these very familiar characters, that you would make it new to us once again, that you would enliven our hearts to see the glories of your grace. I pray, Lord God, that we would see the face of Jesus. Hear our prayer, for we pray in his matchless and glorious name. Amen. Many years ago, Charles Spurgeon told the story of a little small-town country pastor who had a congregation in northern England. And in this congregation, there was a widow. This widow was very poor, and one season it was revealed to the pastor and to his deacons that she was unable to pay her rent. 
And so the pastor gathered together the deacons and all the congregation, and they gathered up an offering for this woman so that she might be able to pay what she owed to her landlord. Well, the pastor was so excited about his congregation's generosity that he went to the woman's house first thing on Monday morning, 9 o'clock, and he knocked on her door. No answer. He waited for a moment or two. He peeked in the window, didn't see anyone stirring inside, and so he knocked again, a little louder this time. Still, no answer. And so he waited, and he looked, and he tried to see if there was anything happening, and he tried one last time. No one came to the door. And so the pastor said to himself, well, perhaps she's out running an errand or she's doing something else and is otherwise uh, disposed. I'll just catch up with her on Sunday morning. And so he did. That Sunday morning, after the worship service was over, sure enough, there was the widow in her normal place, in her normal chair, and the pastor went up to her and told her what had happened. He said, I came to your house on Monday morning. We had heard that you were having a hard time paying your rent, and so the congregation collected up an offering for you, and we have made just enough money for you to cover your rent. Now, I wish that I could tell you this happened on Christmas Eve or perhaps Christmas morning. Maybe that would make a better story, but... It was an ordinary Sunday, an ordinary day. That's often how God works. Well, the woman heard the pastor's story, and he, she said to him, what time did you come on Monday morning? And the pastor said, oh, I came around 9 o'clock. The woman looked down, a little bit embarrassed, perhaps a little bit ashamed, and she said, I have something to tell you. Uh, I was home when you came to my house, on Monday morning. And I heard you knocking, but I didn't come to the door because I was afraid. I thought that you had come to collect the rent. And I didn't have it, and so I was hiding in the room and I didn't come to the door. Do you see the problem? In the story, she didn't come to the door because she assumed that the man at the front door had come to give her bad news. She assumed that he was coming to collect the rent and she was afraid because she couldn't pay. When in reality, the good news which gives us great joy was that this man was coming to pay the rent that she couldn't pay. He wasn't coming to curse her. He was coming instead to bless her. That's what Jesus came to do on the very first Christmas morning. He didn't come to collect the rent. He came to pay the rent. Christmas is good news because we owe an infinite debt to an infinite God. We owe a debt of sin and shame and ingratitude and unrighteousness, a debt that we could never repay Jesus Paid it all. That's the message of John 3.17. For God did not send his son into the world on Christmas to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. That is good news of great joy for all kinds of people. And the only question remaining is, will you answer the door? Will you receive the gift of God's grace which Jesus has come to bring? Or will you run and hide? 
filled with the same fear that the shepherds were filled with when they saw the glory of God shining round about them. Today we're going to look at one of the most familiar stories in the whole Bible, the Christmas story from Luke chapter 2. It's a story about angels, it's a story about shepherds, it's a story about Mary and Joseph and the baby Jesus who was born in a barn and laid in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. If you read the whole Christmas story, combining Matthew's account with Luke's account, you'll see that the whole Christmas story is punctuated with a series of angelic announcements to Mary, to Joseph, to Zechariah and Elizabeth, to Anna and Simeon. But probably the most famous angelic announcement is the angel's announcement to the shepherds. A group of rough-and-tumble, rough-around-the-edges, working-class nomads who are often portrayed by nine-year-olds wearing their dad's bathrobes during Christmas pageants. So what kind of announcements did the shepherds hear? Was it good news? Was it bad news? At the beginning, they were terrified. To paraphrase the old King James, they were sure afraid. They sure were. But by the end of the story, they were glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen. What what happened? What changed? How did this announcement change their lives? How did it fill them with unspeakable joy? How did it turn them into the very first Christian evangelists? If you're taking notes this morning, here's our outline. The first thing that we'll see is that this announcement is historical. The second thing that we'll see is that this announcement is heavenly. It's a message that comes from heaven. And finally, we'll see that this announcement made the shepherds profoundly happy. By the end of the story, I hope you'll see that the gospel, this glorious Christmas story, is still good news of great joy for all kinds of people. Even in 2020, especially in 2020. Let's take a closer look. The very first thing we see is that that this announcement is historical. Look with me at verse 1. In those days, Luke writes, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered or taxed. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his hometown. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. Now, if I were to ask you, when is Christmas, you would all, of course, answer December 25th. In a world where we seem to argue about everything and have trouble finding consensus on most most things, I think that we can all agree that Christmas will take place this year and next year and the year after that until Jesus comes again on December 25th. But what's interesting when you read this story, the Christmas story from Luke, is that Luke actually doesn't give us a specific date in which Jesus was born. Instead, he gives us a range of date. Jesus was born sometime during the reign of the Roman emperor, Caesar Augustus, 
while Quirinius was governor of Syria. Syria. Now, based on what we know about the reign of Caesar Augustus and the shorter-lived reign of Quirinius, we can say with a pretty high degree of certainty that Jesus was born somewhere between 2 and 3 B.C., which is a little bit uh, embarrassing for the calendar makers since Jesus was born two or three years before Christ, but I guess nobody's perfect. Now, I could probably spend the next 10 minutes going through all the various reasons why the church settled on December 25th and how we know based on various external evidence that Jesus was born somewhere around 2 and 3 BC. But I think that that obscures Luke's main point here. Luke's main point in these opening verses with all of these governors and emperors and all of these circumstances about the registration and the taxation is that Jesus' birth is and was a real historical event. The Christmas story isn't a myth or a legend. This isn't like the uh, origin stories of Zeus or one of the other Greek gods. This isn't like the story of Superman or Thor or one of the Avengers. This is a real person. Jesus was an actual person who came to address an actual problem. The problem of sin and death. The problem of spiritual darkness, the problem of decay, the problem of our separation from God. One of my old uh, pastors put it like this. He wrote, we don't need mythical stories to inspire us to try a little harder. We don't need legends about the glory of God appearing. We need the glory of God to appear. And guess what? It did. The Word, Jesus, became flesh and tabernacled among us. He set up His camp on the very world in which He created in the little town of Bethlehem. The birth of Jesus didn't happen once upon a time. The birth of Jesus didn't happen a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. The birth of Jesus happened somewhere between 2 and 3 B.C., during the reign of a Roman emperor named Caesar Augustus, when Quirinius was governor of Syria. That's when our Creator stepped into His creation. That's when the eternal God, who transcends history, entered into history for us and for our salvation. All the details that Luke lists in those opening chapters, as obscure as they might be, paint that picture. They tell the story. The birth of Jesus was a historical event. Now, the second thing we see about this announcement is that it was a heavenly announcement. The message of the gospel is a message from heaven. Verse 8, and in the same region there were shepherds in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. Verse 13, and suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. 
The gospel came to these shepherds first through an angel, the angel of the Lord, an angel of the Lord, and then through many angels, a multitude of the heavenly hosts. Now, we don't know exactly how many angels there were, but I believe there were millions of angels announcing the birth of the king. I believe those angels lit up the night sky like a supernova of joy, praising and glorifying and magnifying the king of kings who was to be born in Bethlehem. But were the angels the only heavenly messengers? Does a heavenly messenger have to come directly from heaven? Luke's answer, and the answer given to us in the Christmas story, is no. Verse 17, and when the shepherds saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. In other words, the shepherds got an angel and everyone else got a shepherd. The shepherds heard the message directly from the angels, glorious heavenly beings. Everyone else heard the message directly from the shepherds inglorious earthly beings. Now, is there a difference? Is one better than the other? I ask that question because I think if most of us were honest, we would prefer to hear the heavenly message directly from the angels. We would like the thunder and the lightning and the glory of God and the joy and the tears and the emotions We want what Paul had on the road to Damascus, a direct personal encounter with our Lord Jesus Christ. But most of the time, that's not what we get. Most of the time, as the prophet Elijah discovered, God is not in the whirlwind. And God is not in the fire. And he's not in the the earthquake. Most of the time, he speaks to us in what Elijah called a still, small voice. Most of the time, God speaks to us through very imperfect messengers. Like Noah, do you remember him? He was at least a a heavy drinker and possibly an alcoholic. Do you remember the story of Abraham? He had both a wife and a girlfriend, which I don't advise. And twice in the story of Abraham, he tried to hand over his wife to a rival king because he was scared for his own life. Do you remember Moses? He killed an Egyptian and then ran and hid in the wilderness. Do you remember David? We're going to be looking at him in the new year. First he committed adultery and then he committed murder in order to cover up his adultery. Do you remember Jonah? God said, go to Nineveh. He said, no thanks. He's one of the worst missionaries ever, and he converted a whole country. Do you remember Zacchaeus, the wee little man? He was an extortionist. He was a liar. He was a tax cheat. He was a traitor to his people. Do you remember Peter, the apostle Peter, the rock upon which the the church is built, cut off a guy's ear with his sword, betrayed Jesus three times, denied him three times? He was a disaster. Do you remember the Apostle Paul? He probably had himself in mind when he wrote in 2 Corinthians, we have these treasures, these gospel treasures, in simple, ordinary, unimpressive jars of clay to show 
that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. Sometimes you get an angel. Most of the time, you get a shepherd. Sometimes God speaks to us through imperfect circumstances. Sometimes God speaks to us through tragedy and heartbreak and pain. Sometimes he speaks to us most loudly through divorce or cancer or bankruptcy or COVID. Paul sp- God spoke to Paul through something he calls a thorn in his flesh. We don't know exactly what it is. But whatever it was, God spoke to him most loudly in his pain. God appeared to Stephen, the first Christian martyr, as he was being stoned to death, as his murderers picked up stones to kill him. We read in Acts 7, but Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God. And Jesus, standing at the right hand of God, and he said, Behold, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. God spoke to Job when Job lost everything except God. God spoke to Daniel as he was in the lion's den. God spoke most clearly to Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego, Daniel's three friends, while they were standing in a fiery furnace. Sometimes we get the angels. Most often, we get the shepherds. Most of the time, God conveys his heavenly message of salvation through ordinary people. And ordinary circumstances, and ordinary worship services, and ordinary Advent readings, and ordinary Bible stories. Most of the time, that's how we hear the message of God. The third thing we see is that this announcement made the shepherds extraordinarily happy. Verse 10, And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. What's the very first thing that the angel said to the shepherds? Fear not. In other words, because of Christmas, we don't have to be afraid anymore. This year I've been doing my Bible reading and my devotions every morning with a little app called YouVersion. Some of you are my friends on YouVersion, and so we read the Bible together. It's really cool. And I, I wondered this year, what was the most popular, most uh, widely read verse for the year 2020? It's been such a weird year. I thought I'd research it and figure out what it was. Here's what it was. Isaiah 41, verse 10, which reads, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Amen? I don't know if there's a better verse uh, than that for 2020, but here's where it gets interesting. I thought, well, I wonder what it was in 2019. Same verse. I went back to 2018, and I thought, I don't even remember 2018. It seems like so long ago, but it seemed like it was pretty awesome. What could it be? Isaiah 41.10. Fear not, for I am with you. 
The gospel is such good news because it is an expression of God's perfect love. And God's perfect love casts out fear. In a world where we are are so afraid about so many things, Christmas means we don't have to be afraid anymore. Christmas means we no longer have to fear God's judgment. Why? Verse 11, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior. Is God angry with us? No. We have a Savior who loves us. Is God disappointed with us? No. We have a Savior who has adopted us into His family. Parents, moms and dads, grandparents, think about how proud you are of your kids and your grandkids. Think about how proud you are when your kids and your grandkids score a touchdown. Think about how proud you are when they ace their math test. Think about how proud you are when they graduate from high school or college. Think about how proud you were when they took their very first steps. Now, if you, being fallen human beings, and I being a fallen human being, a father who is very fallen, who falls very far short of the standards of God's perfection, if we can feel that sort of pride in our children, imagine the pride that God experiences when he looks at us. Not shame, not disappointment. We have a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Is God going to punish us? No, we have a Savior who has propitiated the wrath of God. In other words, the wrath of God, which should have been poured out upon us because of our sin, was instead poured out on Jesus. And so when he declared from the cross that it is finished, he meant what he said. And we have nothing to fear about hell or purgatory or damnation if our faith is rooted solidly in the person and work of Jesus Christ. But not only that, we have nothing to fear of sickness and natural disasters and injustice and violence and racism and war. Why? Verse 11 For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Do you know what that means? The word word Christ means the anointed one. The word Messiah means king. Christmas means that God is sovereign. Christmas means that God is in control of all of his creatures and all of his creations. I am not in control. And you are not in control. And the president is not in control. And the media is not in control. God is in control. And my friends, that is a good thing. Because I can't stop a hurricane. Can you? I can't stop a pandemic. Can you? I can plan for the future. But can I I tell how things are going to go from one week or two weeks or or much less 20 years in the future? Absolutely not. God can. God does. God will. How does he know? Because that little baby born in a manger is no ordinary child. He is Christ the Lord. And someday we are going to beat our swords into plowshares because of him. 
and someday justice will roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream because of Him. And someday, 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 we will have peace which surpasses all understanding because of Him. And when the shepherds heard that good news, they were filled with joy, such uncontrollable, irresistible joy that they became bold and courageous witnesses to all that they had heard and seen. They left the angels, they went into Bethlehem, they found the baby, and they proceeded to tell everyone the good news. Verse 17, and when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds had told them. The people wondered. Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds continued to glorify and praise God. It was amazing. Best Christmas ever. Why? Because Jesus is our Savior, and because Jesus is our Lord, because He loves us, because He came to rescue us, because He became one of us. That, my friends, is something to be happy about. Not only during this Christmas season, but always. That is the announcement of our great Savior. That's the message of Christmas. It's good news of great joy for all kinds of people. Let's go to God in prayer. Oh, Lord, our God, we thank you for Christmas, and we thank you for this announcement that the angels made to the shepherds. These lowly people, Lord God, these are our people. We cling, cling to you in faith, Lord God, trusting the promises that we have in you. Thank you, Lord God, that you became one of us to save us. Hear our prayer, for we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.